y'all stand with me this morning. I, I want to do a couple of things uh, before we launch today. Um, first of all, uh, we're going to pray for um, Sister Burnell and Brother Merrill and the Murphy family. Um, Sister Burnell's not doing well this morning. Merrill is with her. And we just want to pray for them. We also want to pray for um, our sweet sister Kim Calhoun and uh, her family. I don't know how many of you are aware, but um, Sister Kim's mom passed away last weekend, and um, the funeral is going to be this coming Wednesday. And while I'm talking about that, if any of you would be willing to help out with food for um, Kim's mom's funeral, uh, please see Sister Christie sometime today. I think it would be awesome if some of us would uh, chip in and help out, and it would just really sing a, send a good, strong message of love and and uh, just being in her corner. So um, I know she would appreciate that. But if you're interested in providing some food for, uh, for her mom's funeral, please see Sister Christy today. So we want to pray for Sister Kim, and we want to pray for uh, Sister Burnell and the Murphy family. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll launch. Lord, we thank you today for being such a good father, for loving us the way that you do. Lord, there's not a single thing that's going on in Sister Vern's life or in Sister Kim's life that's taking you by surprise. You, you see it. You know exactly what's going on. Lord, you know specifically how to speak words of peace and comfort. And so we just ask that you do that, Lord. We pray that there would be people that, that talk to them in a voice that really comes from you. Lord, I pray that your word would provide comfort to those families. Lord, and we just uh, we commit all healing, be it physical healing, emotional healing to you. You are our healer. And Lord, you have the power. We believe that and we trust that you know what is best for all of us in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you today. You can be seated. Thank you for that. Please keep those families in your prayers today. This Sunday, we're continuing our series relatable. And so far, we've looked at really two ideas in this series. Uh, the first one was that Jesus can relate to you. He can relate to you, right? Because he he entered time and space. He entered flesh and blood. He meets us more than halfway. Thank you, Jesus. And he dispenses truckloads of grace to us, right? So Jesus can relate to you. And the second big idea that we looked at, uh, we finished up last week, was how we look at the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror. Since how we see ourselves influences every other relationship that we have. It's critical that we look at ourselves the way God looks at us. So we went through these seven things, right, that God says about you. He says, I love you. He says, I'm grateful for you. He says, you are a rare and beautiful treasure to me. He says, I forgive you. He says, I'm going to hold you to a high standard. But at the same time, I'm going to dispense grace and mercy to you in ways that are appropriate. Uh, God says, I've got a special calling on your life. And he says, I believe in you. So I challenged you last week whenever we finished up those seven things to spend some time saying those things to yourself. To speak the same things that God says about you over yourself. And I don't know how many of you actually did that, um, but if you engaged in that I hope it went well for you and I hope that there were some perception changes and, and some shifts in your thinking for those of you that did it. Now if you missed it or if you forgot about it or if it just didn't seem that interesting to you last week but you're looking for something this week, 
Uh, it's a new week. You can give it a shot again. You can try again. And um, I would hazard a guess that those seven things would be things that it doesn't matter what week it is. We probably need to be saying those things to ourselves. So I want to shift gears uh, today and move on to the next major idea in our series. And that idea is the role that God plays in our relationships as our father. Now, that that word father has immense meaning for every single one of us. I wish I could um, I wish I could put a projector over everybody's head. And whenever I say the word father, I wish I could project the first image or the first memory or the first thought that comes into your mind. Whenever I say that word, it would be absolutely fascinating. I'm sure for a lot of people, it would be very touching to see that. And I think for a lot of people, it would probably be absolutely heartbreaking to see what people think about whenever you hear that word. But it's loaded. That word is loaded with all kinds of meaning. And some of us may not have even really had a father. Um, and even the, the ambivalence that people feel about father, like I didn't have a father, so it doesn't mean anything to me. You know what? That even has meaning. The fact that you, don't, you didn't have a father and you don't really care about the word, that, that even has meaning for the relationships that you have right now in your life and the worldviews that you have. And sometimes we come face to face with how much our fathers have impacted us. There are little things that happen throughout our lives where well, you'll, you'll catch it and you'll be like, that, that, came, that came straight from my dad. And sometimes we come face to face with the fact that our parents are very human. How many of you have had that experience where you realized mommy is a human being, daddy is a human being, and, and we come face to face with their flaws or just their weird personal quirks, and, and it, it's, like a, it's like a life reset whenever that happens. Kind of like this young man who sees his father in a very different light. Roll the tape, Roscoe. Turn it up. Oh, 
Watch his face. That's good. How many of you have ever looked at your dad like that? It's that moment where you see him as something completely different than what you had before. Most of us has been, have been there. It, it's that moment where you think, holy gene pool, Batman. It, everything makes sense now. There's a lot of things that are falling into place for me. This explains a lot. You know, back to the future is not what I would call a cerebral, deep, philosophical movie. But woven throughout that movie is a, is a pretty profound observation, and that's this. Who our parents are really matters. Who our parents are really matters, for good or for ill, for better or for worse. The way that we're raised makes a mark on our lives. And that mark that, that is made on our lives by our parents, it affects every relationship that we have. The relationship that we have with mom and dad, that, it is, that is our earliest relationships. For 99% of the people in this room, that relationship with mom and dad was the earliest relationship. That, it's called a formative relationship and they're the model off of which we base every other relationship and every other interaction the first voice that you heard most of you in here the first voice you heard was your mom's voice and one of the first faces you maybe you saw the doctor's face first but probably the second face you saw was your dad's and all of your other relationships guys the type of son you're going to be the type of daughter you're going to be, the type of husband or wife that you're going to be, the type of friend that you're going to be, if you are relatable, if you're dateable, if you're ever going to be mateable, <laughs> it's all, it all comes down to, to mom and dad and how they raised you. And it, it's wrapped up in that formative relationship. Now, today I'm going to make this mostly about dads. But, I mean, come on, we know the type of world that we live in. Uh, some of us never had a dad around. Or maybe some of you, mom was all you had, but that formative relationship made its mark on you. Now, when you start asking questions about how you were raised, and we'll, we'll do a little bit more with this at the end, but whenever you start asking questions about how you were raised, psychologists call that family of origin work, family of origin and at the heart of family of origin work are these enormous questions, these, these huge questions like, do we believe things can really change? Uh, does tomorrow have to be the same as today was? Does our past necessarily have to dictate our present? Or does our past have to dictate what our future can be? Or, or can things be different? So from the outset, y'all listen to this. 
God's answer to those types of questions, those family of origin questions, can tomorrow be different from today? Or, or, or does my past necessarily dictate my, my future? God's answer to all of that stuff about can things change is an absolute resounding yes. Yes, yes, things can be different. Yes, things can change. It's always yes. Our God is a God who acts in this world to change things. That's what he does. It's true of the big things like sin and death and eternity. But it's also true of what we would call the smaller things, things like our relational patterns. God can bless, folks, whatever you inherited from your family of origin, God can bless that. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But if you've got things that you inherited from your family, if, if the marks that you inherited are healthy, God can sustain those things. And if the marks that you inherited are toxic or sick, then God can change those things. He can heal those things. And that's what today is, is, all going, to, is going to be all about. Are looking at this session of relatable, it's about how you've been affected by the way you grew up. What did you learn from your parents that was good and healthy? What things did you learn from them that was toxic and sick? And how does calling God Father play into all of that? So I want, to, want us to start off looking at a little bit of Scripture in, uh, in 1 John chapter 3. Y'all listen and look for all of the familial, relational language in this passage. And it's, it's really been cool to me that even in my daily devotions, because we've been doing this relationship stuff all year long, it's, it's finally starting to click with me as I read. I'm, I'm catching this stuff as I go through my scriptures that I've read before that I never really picked up on. Now I'm seeing all this relational language in it. Check this out. It says, see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. What kind of punctuation you got there? That's cool. It's not a period. It's not an ellipsis. It's not a semicolon. It's an exclamation point. That is what it's not a question mark either. That's what we are. We are children of God. Exclamation point. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Verse 7. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Watch this. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life, God's DNA, is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are the children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Did you see it? Did you hear it? How we are children and, and how much our father loves us. It's amazing that this stuff is right there in Scripture. Let's talk about dads for a minute. There are some amazing dads out there. 
incredible men. And they, they are amazing dads. Who out there had an amazing and awesome dad? This is cool. This is cool. He, he wasn't flawless, but he was empowering. He, wa he was encouraging. I, I want us to take just a little bit of time here to celebrate it because we hear so much of the negative, right, in, in society today. Let's take a moment to celebrate it. He, he was there to believe in you. He had your back. He, he made you believe that you had value. He made you believe that you could do things that you didn't think you could do before. He challenged you, but he supported you at the same time. Love was there. Hugs were there. You were built up and edified by your dad. He was somebody that you could trust. He was somebody that you could count on. Come on. You had a dad like that. Raise your hand one more time. I want to see it. Folks, that's the way it was supposed to be. That's the way God intended for it to be. I tell you what, let's celebrate that right now. And, and I'm being serious. If you had a dad like that, I want you to take out your phone right now and text him. I'm not kidding. Take out your phone right now and text him. Hey, dad. Just one more time. I, I want to tell you. You are a stud. You you're my hero. You, you are awesome. I just. Just one, just, just one little note, dad, I just want to, you don't know what I would give. I don't know how much money we got in the bank right now, Julia, but if I could talk to my dad one more time, I'd write the check, send the text, let him know you're a hero to me, man. Thanks for being awesome in my life. But some of us, we can't do that. Maybe you're like me and you lost your dad and he's not here with you anymore, or maybe your first thought whenever I started on this father and dad stuff was like, oh, man, if I'd have known that that's what this was going to be today, I would have stayed at home. I, I can't. I can't do this with you today, Jason. Because your dad wasn't that supportive, encouraging, edifying person. Maybe he was absent due to death or maybe he was absent due to divorce or maybe he was absent due to work or maybe he was absent because he was just always involved in himself and didn't choose to get involved with anybody else. Maybe your dad was abusive and critical, physically abusive, mentally abusive. And even to this day, if that was your dad, you're having problems with who you are. You're having problems with where you fit into this world. And a lot of it has to do with who your dad was and who your mom was. And you can't ever really undo that stuff that happens in your early formative years. It's really hard humanly to get in there and, and dig that stuff up and, and fix it and make it right again. And you weren't getting, hey, look, son, you can trust me. Hey, daughter, I'm, I'm here for you. I love you. I'm, I'm gonna, you can do better. I, I'm going to help you do better. I'm gonna, you can rise higher. You weren't getting, hey, I love you no matter what. Yeah, you messed up, but I love you. You didn't get that. You got it. You had a different kind of dad. And, and he brought damage into your spirit. And so maybe you're here today and you're like trying like, Coop, look, I'm trying. I know it's all about relationships. I keep showing up Sunday after Sunday and I'm trying to be relatable. I'm trying really hard. To, but, but you've got to float all of that stuff from your mom and dad that's still knocking around in your spirit. 
still trying to be normal, whatever that is. So, you know, some of us, are, we're behind the eight ball from the start because of the imperfect relationship that we had with our earthly fathers, and it's got us scratching our heads and wondering about our heavenly father, right? How I couldn't trust my earthly father, so how can I trust my... I couldn't trust him to always be there, so how can I trust this heavenly father to always be there? I couldn't trust my earthly father not to hurt me or abuse me, so how can I trust my heavenly father? I couldn't count on my earthly father to encourage me whenever I messed up. So how can I count on my heavenly father to encourage me whenever I mess up? How can I trust this heavenly father that you're talking about to be something and to be somebody that I've never seen and I've never experienced? And a lot of us, we're, it's like we're looking through a, a cracked piece of glass and we're trying to understand a God who's saying, I'm your father, and we're thinking, that's not cool because I couldn't stand my dad. That's not cool that you're my father because I couldn't ever get along with that man. I couldn't ever please him. I wasn't ever able to be close to him. Folks, if we would be willing to allow God to revolutionize the father-child relationship with us, it will empower us to relate to the other people in our lives in a way that we never have before. And some of you, this is, this is your hang-up. This is your hang-up. Well, Jason, okay, let's say I'm willing to get on board today. How, how do I make that happen? Well, it's the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus, and I want to give you three big ideas about that today. For those of you taking notes, this is, the, this is the first one. Big idea number one. Whenever you come to know Jesus, you get a new identity. You come to know Jesus, you get a new identity. Whenever you know Jesus, folks, your identity changes. And it, it isn't that you're a Christian. It isn't about that now you're a Pentecostal. It's not about you're, a, you're now a believer Coming to know Jesus ultimately is not about what you believe. Coming to know Jesus is about who you become. Who you are, what you become, your, your, your new identity as a son or as a daughter of God. You come to know Jesus and now you are a child of God. You're not just believing something different. It's not, oh, well, you know, before I became a Christian, I believed this way. Before I became a Christian, I thought this way, but now I'm a Christian, I believe this way, and I think this other way. That is, that, no, that's not it. You literally become something different than what you were before. You're made into something different. You're a child of God. I, I really think we lose the significance of this somewhere along the way. You have been, listen to me, this is Bible I'm talking right now. You have been reborn You've had a different birth. Y'all feeling me? You have been born of water and of spirit. The old you is dead. Old you's dead and gone. Old you died in repentance. Old you was even buried. Somebody put you in a watery grave and spoke the name of Jesus over you. Old you, old identity, dead, gone. New you, child of God you, was born into the kingdom when the spirit entered you and quickened or brought to life what was dead old you was the child of sin new you is a new creature and a newborn child of god new identity 
That's an, that, that, that's in, it's incredible and it's amazing awesome that God, in His divine beauty and divine wisdom, He set up the transaction of going from death to life as birth all over again. It, it's not just a kingdom, but you are, you are born all over again. Watch this, into a family. The whole, this whole thing, guys, that we're involved in is predicated and built upon its foundation is a family construct with a father and brothers and sisters. Y'all getting me? Where God Almighty becomes our father and we're born into a new home, a new community. Brothers and sisters that are the other sons and daughters of God. John chapter 1, verse 10 through 13. Check this out. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become a child of God. They are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from hu human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Jesus, let this sink into us today. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to look at it in the NIV this time. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. That's the power of the gospel. That is the power of, the, of what Christ did at Calvary. It's the power of the blood of Jesus. You have a new identity that's even more real than your old identity. Heavenly Father. Thanks, Aaron. And here's the cool part. Your dad, your heavenly father, he just happens to be the king of the entire universe. That's amazing. That's awesome. Come on, somebody. Big idea number two. You don't have to be afraid about thinking of God as your father. You don't have to be afraid about thinking of God as your father. A lot of people don't want that idea. Because whenever they think of father, they think about broken. They, they think about uh, absent. They think about abusive. They, they think about performance-based dad. They think about needy dad. They think about unpleasable. They think about a father I didn't even know. A father who didn't even want me. A father I fought against my entire life. A man who never, uh, we never understood each other, so we, we never got along. Folks, we've got to get past this, this picture and this idea 
that God is just a, a bigger version of your earthly dad. God is, he is not the reflection of your earthly father. He is the perfection of what a father is supposed to be from the get-go. And everybody can imagine what that should be like. Everybody in here, I don't care who your dad was and what you went through with him, every person in this room can imagine what having a perfect father would be like. He's not the bigger version of your dad. He's, he's, the, he's the, perfect, the perfect version of the dad you always longed for in your heart. And it doesn't matter if you're 43 or if you're 14. All of us have this gravitational pull in our, in our hearts for the acceptance and the approval of one person. And his name is dad. And if you don't get it, things, they go haywire. I know more about this than what you think I do. So when we talk about the power of the gospel, we're talking about a perfect version of what a father can be. And his name is Jesus. We don't have to be afraid to call him father. Big idea number three. We can either reinforce what's been broken in our lives or we can be a part of reversing the curse. I'm going to say that again, especially for those of you trying to write it all down. We can either reinforce what's been broken in our lives or we can be a part of reversing the curse. We've got, we've got a real choice in this, folks. We do. And I want to call us to that choice this morning. I'm not a psychologist. I am a human being. And I work with kids and parents all day long. And what I've seen is that when we have significant relationship issues with mom or dad, it leaves us with a deficit in our lives. We're in the red. And we will try to cover it up. We'll, we'll put on a show. But there is stuff inside of us that is just not working right. And it frustrates us because we don't know how to fix it. But it's there and we know it needs fixing, but it's too painful to touch. I don't know how to do it. And the journey for fixing that stuff is really long. And I just don't know if I can commit to it. And the bad part about that is when we have those those relationship deficits in our lives, we tend to lean toward and gravitate toward the negative side of the story. You want to know why I'm like this, Jason? I know I'm crazy. Have you met my parents? Have you met my mother? Do, have you, do you know my dad? Yes, I know. I'm this, this way. There he is. That's why. And, and I see it almost every day in my job. I'm dealing with some kid that has issues, I think. And then I meet the mom. Or I meet the dad. And I'm like, well, that explains it. That connects all of the dots right there. No wonder the kid's jacked up. His parents are crazy. And those relational deficits, they cause us to repeat that negative story over and over and over. The Bible called it a generational curse. But listen to this. This is powerful. Jesus came this is the gospel, right? I told you the gospel is the answer. Jesus came to reverse every curse that is against us in our lives. 
He started with the curse of the law, Galatians 3 and 13. Read Galatians in something other than the King James. Read it. New Living Translation, the message, the void. Read Galatians in a different translation. It will explode in your brain, especially if you read it through the filter of this relationship stuff. But the law, you know, it calls the law our guardian. We're thinking relationally. We're talking familiar here, familial. It calls the, relate, the, the law our guardian that kept us for what? Until our daddy got here. The law kept us until daddy showed, until Jesus came on the scene. And, 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 and every curse, dad put on flesh and came down here to get us. And every curse that we couldn't meet because of that high standard of the law, Jesus broke. We were cursed because the standard was set here. Our guardian set the standard here. And we could not get there. And Jesus said, here I am. You don't have to do that anymore. I'm coming to break the curse that that expectation puts over you. And so Jesus became the curse for us. And what he did was he grafted us in to a new story. Not, not that old story. Of the law and not that old story of sin and death, but but a new story of grace and the gospel. It's a whole new story and it's got whole new possibilities. So when I look at the, the deficits in my life. That are there because of Billy and, and Troy and I had a great dad and I had a wonderful mother, but they're still because they're imperfect people. There's still deficits in here. So when I look at the deficits that I've got in my life because of those two imperfect people, I've got two choices. I can lean this way to the negative and choose to reinforce that negative story. Or I can reverse the curse and start leaning into this new possibility that's called Jesus. That's how we are able to relate in spite of who mom and dad might have been. We have a different possibility no matter who they were, no matter who they are, we've got a different possibility through the gospel. Mm. Jeremy, can you help me out? So this past uh, this past Easter spring break, I uh, took a few days and uh, I went to Woodbine, Georgia. It's about 40 minutes north of Jacksonville, Florida. And I spent a few days with my biological father. Now, Billy Dean raised me and he was my dad. And whenever he died six years ago, that's the day that I lost my father. But Richard is my biological contributor. And has largely been absent from my life until uh, just a few years ago. And the whole time I was there, I, I went there with one purpose. One single solitary purpose. I am going to present the gospel to this man. Now what he does with it after that is on him. But he is going to hear about Jesus and what Jesus has done in my life. And really, to be honest, to be transparent, I did that more for me than I did it for him. Because I knew that if I could tell somebody the gospel 
and share Jesus with them, then I'm a lot further down the road of getting rid of the bitterness in my life because this guy ran out on me and my mom whenever I was a kid. And um, the whole time I was there, everything that he did, because this was really the, the first extended time I had had with him, I'm watching him and I'm looking for pieces of me. Does that make sense? I, it, the way that he talks to his wife and the way that he tells his stories and, and, and the way that he thinks about certain things, every, every, everything I'm looking for, is, is that me? You know, that's a part of him I don't like. Is that in me? Or that, that's a part of him that's actually pretty good, even though I hate to admit it. I mean, that's, that's a good side of him. Is, is that in me? There, there's a mark. This is the crazy thing about fathers. I don't care who your daddy was or how long he was with you. You are marked because of who he is. I'm sorry, Eric, but you're marked. And so all of us are. But there's, I'm going to go through this one more time. Old you is dead. New identity, new father, and he's the king of the universe. And he's saying there's deficits in you, yes, but there's a, there's a different possibility for you to lean into now. You've got to quit leaning this way. I, I'm trying really hard right now. To, to get somebody to understand there, there's another possibility for you. No matter who dad was, no matter who mom was. Look, you can be relatable. You can. You can be relatable. I don't care how messed up your relationships have been up to this point. You can be relatable because whenever you come to know Jesus, you get a new identity. You don't just believe in something. You are something. You are a child of God. You can be relatable because you don't have to be afraid of thinking about God as your father. He's not just a bigger version of your dad. He is the perfect version of what your dad should have been and the perfect version of what you've always longed for in your heart. And you can be relatable because you can choose to embrace a different story that has a different possibility. Choose to not reinforce what's already broken, but to lean into a new possibility. So to do that, I have Jeremy and Aaron, thank you very much, have just put in your hands... A very simple tool. And it's going to serve as your next step for this week. Just a questionnaire for you to look at. And this is some of that family of origin work. Just ask you, uh, was it seven questions? About what home was like. And what you remember. Was there love? How was it shown? Was there anger? How was it shown? What, what happened with money? And then if you look down at the bottom, look at what it says. It says, what are some things that you've learned that, that were healthy? Well, those are the things that we want to build on and, and the things that we want to reinforce. What were some things that were unhealthy, some things that were toxic? Those are the things that we want to break and reverse. So look, be brave this week. Take some time with this right here. Actually do what it says to do. And I know what's going to happen. God's going to talk to you. And he's going to give you at least one thing. This is healthy. And you might not have even liked the man. But this is one thing that you got from that that's healthy and you need to repeat it. And this is something that you're doing. He may have been wonderful, but this is something that you're doing because of who he was or because of who she was as your mother. 
And it needs to be broken. And I want to break that in you. God's going to talk to you. I believe it. All right. We're done. Let's pray. Jesus, I don't often address you this way. But you are my heavenly father. And all of the stuff that that means, I take it on today. Because I'm your child. And that's incredibly awesome to me. Lord, there are people in this room today that had amazing, wonderful fathers and their children and their lives and their relationships are blessed because of it. They had amazing mothers. And they are blessed because of it. But there's still some things, some deficits there. And I'm going to ask that you talk to them and show them what they are. So that those things can be broken. Lord, there's some people here today that can't stand their dad. Wouldn't even talk to him if he showed up at their front door this afternoon. There's just deep hurt. Well, Lord, you're going to show them the healthy things that are in their life because of who that man is and the things that need to be helped and healed. Oh, thank you for loving us so much for the lavish love that you showed us. I don't get it, I don't understand it, but thank you. In Jesus' name.